Good morning, Maple Park Church. It is good to see each and every one of you here with us this morning. We know that it's the Lord Jesus Christ who gathers us together. He calls us by his Holy Spirit. So thank you for joining us here in the sanctuary today. Thank you for joining us online through Dial in Church or through whatever other platform uh, we have available to you here today. It is good to gather together with God's people. And we are gathered to meet Jesus because Jesus promises to be here with us. And he is here. He is in our presence. And he comes to us by means of his word. He speaks to us in his word. God isn't silent. He speaks. And he also comes to us and he serves us through Holy Communion. He gives us the bread. He gives us the wine. In our case, it's juice. And he says, I love you. And you are forgiven. So thank you for coming today. And before I start my sermon, I would like to inform you of, a, of an urgent prayer request. We got word today from Eric Erickson that there is a rebel uprising in Jemina, Chad. This month, we're praying for our missionaries, uh, Jeremy and Salee uh, Stanton. They are stationed in Jemina, Chad right now. The U.S. Embassy in Jemina is being evacuated at this moment. Uh, so we need to be praying for our missionaries and also new missionaries that were just recently sent from Taiwan. We've planted churches in Taiwan and now they're sending missionaries from Taiwan uh, to Chad. So let's now be uh, praying uh, for our missionaries, for Jeremy and Salee. Let's be praying for peace in Jemina. Let's be praying uh, for a resolution to this conflict with this rebel uprising. Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus for our missionaries. We pray for the people of Jemina Chad. We also pray uh, for our Guinea Boer II hospital, for the G2 hospital where uh, Eric and uh, uh, Janet Tangen are planning to move. Lord, we pray for all of the people who are there in that situation. We pray for peace. Uh, we pray uh, for a quick resolution of this uh, rebel uprising in Chad. Uh, Lord, surround them now with your holy angels. Protect them in your might and in your power. Lord, we pray that no harm would come to the people who live in that city, to the Missionary Welcome Center, to the G2 Hospital. We pray this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name and all of God's children say, Amen. So we come now to our gospel reading uh, from Luke chapter 24. Would you please stand as we read our sermon text today? This is just after Jesus' resurrection. This is the evening of the very first Easter Sunday, verse 36 of Luke 24. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them. He's standing among the disciples. And he said to them, peace to you. But they, that is the disciples, they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. Other translations say that they thought they saw a ghost. I would have been startled and frightened too. I witnessed the crucifixion, the death, and the burial of Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden here Jesus is alive. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Then he says this, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, 
For a spirit, or it could be translated a ghost, does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, uh, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now listen to this. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in, the name, in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So have you ever experienced anything in your life and when you experienced this thing, it was so good that you said to yourself, this is too good to be true. Have you ever had that experience before? I remember when I proposed to Katie and Katie said, yes. I said, this is too good to be true. When I found out that Katie was pregnant and then when we had our first child, I said, this is too good to be true. And then when people bring chocolate cake to the office with ice cream, I always think to myself, this is too good to be true. <laughs> now, can you imagine what the disciples were experiencing when they saw Jesus? The one they saw crucified, dead and buried. He stands before them alive. He shows them the, the scars in his hands and his feet. They said, this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. And Jesus said, but a spirit or a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. He sat down. He ate a fish dinner. But they still thought, this is too good to be true. And just before Jesus ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, right when he gives them the Great Commission, they were still saying, this is too good to be true. And when you hear the word of the gospel, that Jesus lived for you, Jesus died for you, Jesus rose again for you, we might say the same thing. This is too good to be true. I have the forgiveness of all of my sins. I have life everlasting. This is too good to be true. But it, but it is true. It is true. Many of the things that we experience in life uh, that we say this is too good to be true end up being true in reality. They are true. So Easter, Easter Sunday, we celebrated it and we continue in the church calendar to celebrate Easter. But for Christians, Easter isn't a one-day event, nor is, is Easter a 50-day event because we actually celebrate Easter for 50 days up until Pentecost. It's not just a one-day event or a 50-day event. For Christians, Easter is an eternal event. It's an eternal event. It's every day of the year, every day of our lives, and every day of eternity. Easter, the resurrection of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is an eternal event for you. Sounds too good to be true, but it is true. Now, when you find out that something too good to be true really is true, what do you do with that information? 
What do you do with that information? Well, if I was in the mountains, I found a cave, I went into the cave, I found a treasure chest, I opened it, it was full of gold and jewels, I wouldn't be telling you about that, right? <laughs> I'm going to keep that information to myself. If I find a treasure chest and it's full of gold and jewels, I'm going to say, this is too good to be true and I'm not telling you about it. Well, let's say a scientist discovers the cure to a terrible disease. And he finds the cure to this disease which can save many lives. That's a treasure. But that's not the kind of treasure that you keep to yourself. If you find the treasure of the cure for a horrific disease that can save people, you don't keep that to yourself, and so it is with the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus lived for you and for all people. He lived the sinless life that you could never live. And he died the sacrificial death that you could never die, paying a price that you could never pay upon the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of all of your sins. So today you sit here, those of you trusting in Jesus, believing in Jesus, you have the forgiveness of all of your sins. You have everlasting life. You have the cure. Listen to this. You have the cure for death itself. And that's through faith in Jesus. So Jesus is not the treasure, the kind of treasure that you keep to yourself. It's the kind of treasure, it sounds too good to be true, and it is true. So you tell the world, you proclaim to the world that Jesus has brought and won eternal life to all people. So I ask you the question, are you telling others about this treasure? Or are you keeping it to yourself? Are you telling others or are you keeping it to yourself? I want us to go back to our gospel lesson again. Ian, if we could put our reading back on the screen again, starting with verse 45, if that's possible, Ian. Well, it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, it says, Then... Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And look at verse 47. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem. And then he says, You are witnesses of these things. And as we study the scriptures, we learn that not only were the disciples witnesses of these things, but you also are witnesses of these things because you have been raised from death to life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You too are called by Jesus to be a witness of these things. There is a very real link between you and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Did you know that you are actually joined to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as a believer, as a baptized believer? Did you know that you died with Jesus and that you rose with Jesus? You are a resurrection believer. Those who believe and are baptized have died with Jesus and they have been raised with Jesus. Romans 6.34 says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. When a person trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, when a person receives baptism, They are buried with Christ and they are raised with Christ in order that we too, you too, might walk in newness of life. So what does it mean to walk in newness of life as a resurrection believer? Well, it means many things. It means many things and we cannot list all of those things. I think it would be a neat Sunday school class or a neat sermon series Uh, or a life group, just to do a study of what does it mean to walk in newness of life? What does it mean to live as a resurrection believer? So uh, there there are many points I could make about what it means to walk in newness of life as a resurrection believer, but I want to focus on uh, just a couple of things. First and foremost, it means that we live like Jesus. It means that we live like Jesus. And that means that we love. We love other people. We're to love others as Jesus loved us. So to walk in newness of life means that we live like Jesus. But it also means that we live as representatives or as Peter says, as priests before an unbelieving world. Did you know that you're a priest? Did you know that you're a royal priesthood? I want us to listen, if you want to write this passage down, it's 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race. Then Peter says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession... But it's for a purpose. Peter writes that you may what? Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So you are joined to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that you may may walk in newness of life, which means this new life that we've been given by Jesus is to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus, and then to be a priest. This may sound strange to you, but you are a priest that you may proclaim, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So church, you are God's royal priesthood. But what is the job of a priest? Well, a priest serves. A priest serves God by standing between God and sinners. The priest is the mediator between God and and sinful humanity. The priest is the ambassador of God to the people. The priest is the channel through which the love and service of God is given to people. So we confess the priesthood of all believers. You are a royal priesthood in service to God. The priesthood of believers isn't isn't every member a pastor. No, a pastor is a specific vocation. 
Rather, it's the pastors called to equip the priesthood of believers to be servants and witnesses to an unbelieving world. So we are called as pastors to equip you as priests of King Jesus so, so that you are able to go with the word of God and proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So we pastors were called to open this treasure chest to you. To open the treasure of the gospel to you, to say that this belongs to you, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, they are yours. You have the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life through faith in Jesus. And when we open the word of the gospel, when we open this treasure to you, we pray that you would trust in Jesus as your savior, that you would believe in him, for the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. But we also pray that you would go as witnesses of this treasure. That you wouldn't keep this treasure to yourself. So the gospel is a treasure. It's a treasure that seems too good to be true, but it is true. Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again to make you alive today and for eternity. And now you, have been given a special gift. It's the gift of his peace. It's the gift of his peace, knowing that you are forgiven. But it's a peace that we do not keep to ourselves. That's why after the service every Sunday, we say what? Go in peace and what? Serve the Lord. What we receive here through the word and through the sacraments is what equips us to go into an unbelieving world to serve as priests, proclaiming the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So just a couple of practical questions. Is there an unbeliever in your life that you're praying for? A coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a relative? Is there somebody in your life that doesn't know the gospel and you're praying for that person? Are you praying for them? Then I ask you the question, will you invite them to gather with us at Maple Park? Will you invite them to come to church? Will you share your testimony with them? And will you share the good news? The good news of Jesus, of his life, of his death, and of his resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. You see, there is, there is a, a key link between your faith in Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' mission to unbelievers. As soon as Jesus was raised from the dead, he gave them the mission. As soon as he appeared to them in bodily form, he gave them the mission. So there is an inseparable link between his resurrection and his mission and our call that you have been called to be a witness, to witness to this treasure, to witness to this reality. It sounds too good to be true. Jesus died. He was buried. On the third day, he was raised from death to life. And you have been raised from death to life by the gospel. Will you be a witness of it? Let's pray together. 
Lord, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. We thank you that there is absolutely nothing that, that needs to be accomplished for us to be saved, that you've accomplished all things in your finished work. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that now, after we have heard the truth of your word, that we would be filled uh, with your Holy Spirit to truly go in peace, to see our neighbors, to love our neighbors, to befriend our neighbors, to serve them in practical ways, but also to share with them the good news of the gospel. And Lord, yes, invitations to church, invitations to come to Maple Park, they are legitimate forms of evangelism, but also help us to share our testimony and to share the reality of Jesus. We can't do this on our own. It's only through you filling us and empowering us by your spirit. So I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and fill us now. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please?